For one, like just the fact that the young man will choose to use his voice for the glory of God. In spite of his difficulties and disabilities, he chooses to give it to the Lord. And that's what God sees, and that's what God hears. And when we sing songs about heaven, we can't help but to think about what it's going to be like for Chauncey one day when every muscle works right and he's able to walk without, without a struggle. He's able to talk without a struggle. And I want to be on the front row yes, sir. to hear you sing to the Lord. This young man means a lot to me. He is very special to this church. We, I, I, don't, I don't know how we did it, ever did it without him. Um, and uh, getting to serve with him uh, yesterday was special too. Uh, he, he hung with those kids playing ball with them, and he kicked the ball one time and ran the bases all the way around, and nobody got him out. That man, uh, Chauncey, is, a, is an incredible man of the Lord, and, and we're blessed. We're blessed to have him. So, buddy, you are loved. We appreciate you so much. Would you turn in your Bible to um, Genesis chapter 4 today? Genesis chapter 4. We're going to uh, read together verses 1 through 16 this morning. Genesis 4, <coughs> 1 through 16. I'm beginning a new series today called The Door. And uh, this, this series is going to walk us through uh, various places in the Bible in which we see the theme of a door being opened or being closed, or a door being spoken of, or walked through in Scripture. Now, the sermon series uh, came to mind out of an experience or, uh, or two that, um, that happened uh, while on vacation this past year in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our, our journey began on a, on a Thursday morning. We had, no, we had no plans or goals to get there at a certain time. We, uh, we left at 9 or 10 that morning, uh, well-rested, we began our journey up, <coughs> up to Cincinnati. And um, things never go as planned, even if you had plans. But we got stuck on the interstate, uh, 40, right outside of Asheville. We sat there for like two hours. Uh, there was a truck that was literally blocking um, all, all of the, the highway. And I don't think there was an accident at all. I, I just think the truck like stalled or something and got on the bridge. So we played interstate football. We've never done that before. But, like The boys got out and we threw football on the interstate. Everybody else was having a good time. So did we. But that took about two hours. And so, a, a, you know, a six, seven hour trip turned into eight to 10, um, right? So, so we get to the, um, Cincinnati and listen, we're from Polk County. So anytime in an inner city is, is different anyways. Uh, but but um, driving through Baltimore and Cleveland and things, you know, I've got, I've got experience doing it. But these, uh, <laughs> they got these alleys. They were so uh, narrow. And we took a left turn down one of these alleys to get to the apartment that we were staying in. And it is by the grace of God, we didn't take a building with us on the way through. I mean, like the alleys were so small, but we get to um, our apartment and this is the very door. This is a picture. Okay. The backdrop for our series is the door that went to our apartment. Now, like, I know you look at that and you're like, what is that? That's a, it's a, it was a very narrow door. It didn't look like much, um, and, and we're like, Airbnb lied to us. <laughs> we, need, we need a refund. But um, when you open the door, I'm not going to show you the pictures yet because it's going to go on throughout the weeks. When you open the door 
into the commons area to where our apartment is, your perspective changes. The door, the door, uh, as homely as it looked, it told a story. And in this case, uh, the story was don't judge a place by its door. Uh, That's simply a decoy. You know, some doors are like that. Some doors are meant to be opened. Some doors in life are meant to stay shut. Some doors are meant to be halfway open, look through, and then shut again. Some doors are meant to halfway be looked uh, open and then wide open. You're sure you can go through it. Some doors are very dangerous to open. And if you do open the door, it could cost you everything. And and that's one of those doors that we're going to see here in Genesis chapter 4. So we're going to read about it together. And I'm going to give you three reasons why some doors should never be opened. So we're going to be in Genesis 4. Let's stand together as we read the text. Genesis 4, 1 through 16. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected or accepted Abel and his offering, received his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. And then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for renewed strength today as I give your word. And I pray, God, that your voice would be heard loud and clear through the text today. Lord, I understand and hope our congregation does too. That there are some doors that are in our lives that are not worth opening. And there's some times in our lives where we're faced with the decision to walk through a door that could be so sinful, that could be so tempting, that could ruin us, devastate us for, for eternity. God, I pray that we would be wise with the doors that we have before us. I pray, Lord, we would open doors that you open, that you're at, that you're in. 
And I pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom to be able to, to be able to stay behind the door when temptation does not. So, Lord, speak to us today. Challenge us today. Convict us, Lord, by your word. And we will give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, three reasons why some doors should never, ever be open. The first is this. One, on the other side of that door could be a desire that God didn't fully have for you. In other words, when we look at this text, on the other side of this door for Cain, there was a desire that God didn't have for Cain. I, I want to catch you up on what's happening in the book of Genesis so far. Um, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. All right, so Genesis records the beginning of the universe, the, the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, animals, plant life, uh, human life, other important things. But in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, many firsts happen. Okay, we see the first man. We see the first woman. We see the first command from God. We see the first marriage. We see the first home. We see the first sin. We see the first excuse. We see the first death. We see the first sacrifice, the first worship, the first murder, the first curse, so on and so forth. So in this passage, God gives us a glimpse into uh, the world's first family. Cain and Abel are sons of Adam and Eve. And they are the focus of this chapter before us today. Now, a lot of people pull out a lot of truths from this text, and that's great. But I think that one stands out above the rest, at least for me. And that is this. In the life of Cain, I see a picture. I see a portrait of every lost sinner, person without Christ, that has ever lived. Cain is a prototype. Cain is an archetype of every sinner who follows the devil instead of Christ. And so when I look at Cain, I see the embodiment of Proverbs 16, 25 that says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And that verse describes the life of Cain perfectly. It describes the lives of everyone who, who live not by faith, but in their flesh. It's, it's a lifestyle style that the Bible calls the ways of Cain. You read that in Jude 11. Now, when Eve had Cain, Cain is the firstborn, by the way. When Eve had Cain, I'm going to be honest, I don't think that she or Adam ever thought that the events that would transpire in chapter 4 would actually happen in their life. I don't think that they looked at their son and said, you are going to be such a rebel. You're going to be such a disobedient child. You're going to be so jealous. You're going to have such a quick temper. I don't think they ever saw that in Cain. As a matter of fact, his name means I have gotten from the Lord, which means that, that Eve, when she had Cain, she thought that Cain would actually live out what, what was uh, prophesied of Jesus in Genesis 3.15 in her womb, that, that through, her, through her seed would come someone who would challenge the enemy. She believed that her son would conquer Satan and reverse the devastating and damaging effects of the fall. She didn't know Jesus. She just heard her seed. And so his name I have gotten from the Lord. I have acquired from the Lord. Spoke highly of who he was supposed to be. And Adam and Eve, you know, they were driven out of the garden. They were forced to seek out existence on their own, uh, on the ground for their own food. And their lives, uh, which were so perfect before sin, are now changed in every way uh now their lives revolved around hard work 
unending drudgery, boundless regret. And the days of walking with the Lord in the garden, they were over. They were, they were consigned to a life of pain and sorrow and toil and eventually death. And all hope seemed gone. We read in Genesis 4 that Adam knew his wife and she conceived. And you know what? In a, in a moment of struggle and hardship and pain, having Cain was actually a moment of hope. You know, they were living in certainty of death. That's the last thing they heard from the Lord when they were banished from the garden was that they, were, they would surely die. Well, there was a wonder of, of a new life and the hope of a new beginning and the promise of a better tomorrow. If anything, God desired for Cain, it was that God desired for Cain to serve him with his whole heart. If there was something that God wanted for Cain's life, it was that, that Cain would worship him alone, that Cain would embrace a relationship with God rather than some, someone or something else. And so it's obvious that this was Cain's upbringing. Cain was raised to love the Lord. Cain was raised to serve God. Cain was raised to not live haphazardly. And, and Cain was, 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 was raised to worship and give back to God. And I believe that Adam was instrumental in that. I believe Adam tried to do that. They were raised to be hard workers but they were also raised to be genuine worshipers and so as Cain and Abel grew Adam put them to work in the fields and it's very evident that each boy had his own desire each boy had his own set of skills Cain was a farmer okay he worked the ground Abel was a shepherd now Adam would have taught his sons why they worked Okay, Adam remembers why he was assigned work. Adam was assigned work to take care of the Lord's creation. Adam was assigned work as part of God's design. It, it, was, it was who he was created to be, and they were co-laborers with God, so they had a responsibility. Think about it this way, and you might need to think about your work this way too. Work was never meant to be a punishment from God. Work has always been meant to be a pleasure for the Lord. It, it was part of God's design. Uh, uh, it was part of our responsibility. Work was a privilege. And God was giving Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve, God was giving them an opportunity to have privileged work, to work for him and to do it for his glory, to, for his praise, for his worship. And as Christians, you know, think about your life today. We don't, we don't simply work today to pay our bills and provide for our needs. We work because God gave us the work. We work to be a blessing to him. We work to serve him and to serve others. We don't work to make a living. We work to make a life, to grow and to mature and to develop our God-given talents and abilities. And the only punishment that Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel had in their work was they sweat. The ground was cursed. Sweat would come from their brow. Work would be a little bit harder, okay, not so much of a joy, more of a burden. But as I said, Cain and Abel, they would, they would have been raised to worship as they worked. Now, workers can be worshipers too. That's something to keep in mind. The danger of being a worker alone is that it can become your idol. When you don't worship as you work, it can become your God. And, and, you, and, and you can only focus on the gift or the payment of your work instead of the giver, the provider of your work. Now, even with this in mind, 
You know what happens next is not good. Abel uh, gave to the Lord the first fruits of his labor. All right, so Abel gave the best sacrifice. Abel took the, the, the fattest of the flock, the healthiest of the flock, and gave it to the Lord. Abel worked hard and gave the best of his labor. He gave it to God from his heart. He wanted God to be blessed. He wanted God to be worshipped. What does Cain do? Cain gives an offering to the Lord. God rejects it. Now, Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering. His offering was rejected because of Cain. Keep that in mind. Cain's heart wasn't right. It wasn't about what Cain gave. It was about his heart. Cain's heart wasn't in right. You, you take a look at Genesis chapter 4, and you look at um, verse 4. It says, Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel. He received his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. You read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, that Abel offered his offering to the Lord in faith. Cain did not. Okay, listen to me, folks. It is God's desire for our lives that we offer ourselves to him a daily sacrifice. He wants you to give your very best to him, our whole selves to him. Every day, every day I die to myself. Every day I I have an opportunity to renew my commitment to Christ. Every day I've got an opportunity to identify myself with Jesus and his sacrifice for my sins and his resurrection power over my life. That is a choice every day. Every day I get a chance to worship and pray for his power to overwhelm my life and fill me up and to use my life. Every day I should want to be used by the Lord to bless others in his name and to glorify God along with my life. Because my life in the end is not about me. My life is about him. And it's very easy to work and skip the step of serving, of worshiping, the Lord, and just get to the working part. People come here all the time and participate in religious activity. They do it. But there's so many that come and they have no desire to truly worship. Just because you come and participate in religious activity doesn't mean you're doing it in Jesus' name. And it's very possible that, that you could be like Paul who wrote in Second Timothy that we have a form of godliness, but we really don't have his true saving power over our life. You can come in and you can give the highest gift and you can have the highest seat of service and you can have the highest position in the fellowship. But if your heart isn't right in it, if you don't love the Lord in it, it's nothing to the Lord. doesn't mean a thing. Cain's way was self-will. Cain served in unbelief. Cain gave an offering that wasn't for God. He was just going through the motions. The offering that Cain gave was all about Cain. Had nothing to do with the Lord. Philippians chapter 2 tells us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or uh, vain conceit. But later on it says to have the mind and the heart and the attitude of Christ. That's why it's important for us to Understand that as we serve the Lord, we're doing it for him. 
It isn't about what you want or how you think it ought to go. It should primarily be about what God wants, and it should be all done for his glory. Ministry isn't dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon me. It's not dependent upon a personality. This is what it means. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need us. God doesn't have to have any of us serve him. I am replaceable. I realize that. And if I'm not willing to do what I do in the name of Jesus and honor Jesus with the blessings I have and the opportunities I have and the gifts that I have, he will use somebody else. And if I don't do it for him and I make it about myself or I champion myself in the center of the ministry, he's not going to honor that. That's why, that's why I believe some ministries don't flourish. That's why I believe some ministries suffer. That's why I believe some ministries don't grow. Uh, and and that it's because faulty offerings are often given. The heart isn't right. And if you spend the majority of your time in a, in a negative mindset about what you get the privilege to do, or you're about grumbling to others about your lot in the ministry, the woe is me mindset God's not going to bless that. Give God your very best. Abel brought the Lord the best he had. Cain, on the other hand, he brought to the Lord an offering and said, here's what I give you, take it or leave it. My way is just as good as your way. He found out real quick, didn't he? God's desires were not his desires. And God rejected both Cain and God also rejected his offering. It just looks to me like Cain was going through the motions. You know, there was was no heart in his worship. There was no love for God. There was no gratitude in, in, in what God had blessed him with. He had no deep relationship with the Lord. What he was doing in worship was a show. It wasn't really meant for the Lord. That's why I spend a lot of time praying For those in our church who are in leadership and for those who are behind the scenes, I pray for both of you. I pray for those who have the opportunity every week to stand in front of people and teach and lead and preach that you would have the desire not to be known, that you would have the desire not to be seen, that you would have the desire not to be worshiped or applauded or held in worshipful esteem, that you would do things quietly on a personal level but you would live on a god glorifying level and then i also pray for those who are behind the scenes that you would always understand that even if your work is never really seen or noticed with human eyes that you would get that god sees everything you do and god values what you do and your offering to the lord is just as valuable as someone who has the stage What matters is what's in your heart. And that's what the Lord saw. Abel's offering said, I desire the Lord. I desire to worship the Lord. Cain's offering says, I have no desire but my own. What does your heart say about you? Think about what you get to do in Jesus' name. And ask yourself, do my decisions in this field of ministry, do they reflect a heart of worship? Do they reflect Jesus? Think about your service to God at home. 
Think about your service to God in the church. Think about your service to God in the community and beyond. Does it really exist to make much of Christ? If our hope is not in Jesus, if our life is not about him, if our desire is not him, there's not enough offerings in the world that will suffice to God's desire for your heart. I'm positive today that we may have some canes in our congregation. And, and, and I pray for the Holy Spirit to convict your heart. I pray that you'll see the damage that it does to the mission of God's kingdom on earth and for eternity when you work instead of worship. And I pray that you will repent. And I pray that we'll all be repentant whenever there may be a time when we try to make something here about us instead of about him This isn't our church. It's God's church. It isn't our committee to serve on. These are God's ministries. It isn't my team or my plan. It's the Lord's servants, and it's his plan. We're submissive to his plan. And the offerings that we give, these aren't my offerings. (laughs) They're his. They're for him. They're for his praise and glory so that the world would know him. And if I give him the very best I have I realize that he is worthy of it and I want that to be reflected in my heart how would your life be different if you had a heart of Abel instead of a heart of Cain if you open that door on the other side of that door was a desire that God did not have for Cain's life and Cain opened it a second thing on the other side of that door was a decision Cain didn't need to make On the other side of that door was a decision that Cain didn't need to make. So it says in verse 6 that the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And And it's desires for you, but you should rule over it. God comes to Cain about the offering. And, and to be honest, God in his justice could have burnt the offering up and Cain too at the same time. Right? Cain's life could have been over for disobeying the Lord. But God had mercy and spared his life. Well, God comes to Cain after rejecting his offering. And you see that Cain is very angry about it. He's angry and bitter that God did not take, take his offering. The Hebrew word for anger actually means burning with anger. All right, so we're talking about blood pressures up. Face is red. He's furious. He's about to throw a temper tantrum. Okay, he has hatred in his heart. And this is not a holy hatred. This is a sinful hatred, hostile hatred. And God comes alongside of him. He tries to minister to him. And God gives him the opportunity to repent and to come back in the way of faith. What does Cain do? We know that Cain resists God's counsel. And it was as if the Lord was giving him another opportunity to obey him, to get this thing right, to worship right. But Cain refuses grace. God has given him grace. God has given him a chance he didn't deserve. And Cain refuses that. And God warns him. He says, well, at the door, the temptation that you're battling right now and your anger... It it, it crouches at the door, and it's like a ferocious beast crouching at the door, and it's ready to come in. Cain, you had better not open the door. 
The Lord says, I have a greater desire for your life. Don't give in to your desire. I know what it is. Cain, you've already opened the door uh, to a desire uh, that I didn't want or will for your life. And instead, you made worship about yourself. And now you're in danger of opening the door to a decision that you don't need to make. It's very dangerous to carry bitterness in your heart, Cain. It's very dangerous for you to be angry openly and hate your brother in your heart. Because Satan will use that. Satan will use that bitterness. Satan will use that hostility. Satan will use that. You'll kill your brother. Okay, if we're not careful, folks, we can tempt ourselves and bring about our own ruin and demise. Now, in verses 8 through 10. It says, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. I'm going to just picture that they were having just a normal afternoon. Maybe they were talking about yesterday's rock game. Or maybe they're, maybe, maybe they're talking about produce, you know. Maybe, maybe they're talking about the number of sheep in the fold. Just come and talk. And it says, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? If I were the Lord, I'd have slapped him. (laughs) Smart Alec. And he says in verse 10, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The first homicide in history happens right here in Genesis chapter 4. And, and, and I wish every anti-weapon activist in the world would read and understand that, that if a man's heart isn't right, it doesn't matter if he has a gun, a bomb, or a rock, he will find a way to kill somebody. All right. Cain's lack of true, genuine worship is further brought here in his lack of true, genuine relationship with his brother. He hated him so much in his heart that he would literally kill him cold blooded in the presence of the lord cain had an unforgiving spirit and it not only hindered his worship it hindered it hindered his relationship with his brother and it destroyed fellowship with god and abel and his parents and the bible is consistent with this as well that you can't worship at right and in a holy way if you have hatred in your heart towards a brother or sister First John 3.15, I'll put things in perspective. First John 3.15 says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. First John 4.20 says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen cannot love God who, ha- who he has not seen. Romans 12.9, beloved Never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. It is written, vengeance is mine. I'll repay it, says the Lord. Hatred stirs up strife. Love conquers all offenses, Proverbs 10, 12. Jesus said, this summarizes everything, that if you are going to worship and you're going to make an offering at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you or you have something against your brother, Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar, go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come back and worship. In other words, get your relationships right before you come in to worship because it's impossible to worship God and be at odds with your brothers or your sisters. Scripture shows us that anger is a powerful emotion. 
And it carries with it powerful consequences. It can lead to violence. It can lead to death. Jesus taught in Matthew 5 that if you, if you have anger in your heart, hatred in your heart towards your brother, you have already killed him. It's equivalent to murder. And in this circumstance with Cain, this whole thing was avoidable. The whole thing. This was a decision he didn't have to make. This is a place he didn't have to be. This was a door he didn't have to open. And before Cain ever struck his brother with an object, he had already murdered him in his heart. He was envious. He was envious of his brother's relationship with God. And the crazy thing about this is that God was offering the same relationship that Abel had with him with Cain as well. The same thing was being offered. But when we hate other people, it's a sure sign. We're not right with Jesus, nor do we have God's love in our heart. I see in this text God pleading with Cain to make the right decision. God was being a good father to Cain. God was saying, Cain, get your heart right. Stop hating your brother. Sin's at the door. Don't follow through with it. Cain wouldn't listen. We were on our way home yesterday from a one-day mission to Spencer. and I was talking with a couple of the guys headed back home. And uh, the thought of childhood decisions came to mind, like, like agreements that we make uh, or paths that we take or environments that we're around. You know, things that we make early in life, decisions that we make early in life that are influential in our lives later on. And, and so we're talking about how decisions we make early in life affect life down the road. Well, the reason I say that is because yesterday we were serving in a park and there was a, a group of children who came to play with us who, who were a joy to be around. There's a couple of children, though, that you could tell, you know, they were a handful. You could tell that, uh, you could tell that we just had them, you know, a few hours, but somebody's a parent to those boys. God bless them. <laughs> and, and, and somebody's a school teacher to those boys. And somebody's also a pastor to those boys and I was like bless them Lord and, and, and I saw in, the, in some of those guys some things that you know I just saw some of those guys that if they didn't yield and surrender to God now early on they would struggle with that the rest of their lives and, and, and the thought came to me if they don't make decisions right now to give Christ control of their mouth or of their anger or their emotions, or their sexuality, or their rudeness, or their sneakiness. If they don't make that decision now, it's going to be a lot harder for them later on into adolescence or into adulthood. And I found myself praying for their parents that they wouldn't allow their children to talk to them or to behave like that without consequence. And I thought of my own parents. And I got to thinking... I got to thanking the Lord for my parents because here's how it was in our house growing up. And I'm not saying this, you know, to, to brag, but I'm truly saying out of a thankful heart, I believe one of the main reasons that God spared me from some of the junk that goes on in this world. I, I never drank. I, 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 never, I never experimented with drugs. I never smoked. I, I went to one party in high school, and I got so scared that I called mom and dad to pick me up. I mean, that's how, that's how it was for my life. And here's how it was in my house. My parents told me early on what was allowed and what wasn't allowed, what was acceptable 
and what wasn't acceptable. And they taught me early on that they would not tolerate behavior that and, and they told me that the concert they told me what the consequences would be and i can't tell you all the things that they told me they would do to me because dss would be called navy in trouble all right but but i am saying this they told me in tough love that they expected more out of my life and the great thing about it is this they never had to worry about that with any of us boys growing up we weren't without sin i promise you that But I'm thankful that I had parents who, like God said in this text, sin crouches at the door. And and, and you have a chance right now to master it, to defeat it, to overcome it, to do well. Or you can open that door and you can get eaten up. And that's what I see here. I see here God telling the boys, boys, make the right decision. Choose life. Choose holiness. This will be the consequence if you don't. And some of you hear my story and you say, you missed a lot and your parents sheltered you. And if you train your kids like that, you're going to drive them away. I don't believe that junk. I love my boys and they will always know that we love them first above else. But if we keep them from something or we tell them not to do something or we tell them it's not okay to cuss or it's not okay to lie or it's not okay to steal or to participate in alcohol use or drug use or sexual immorality, we're not going to do them a disservice. And if they choose to walk in that and refuse to heed to our instruction, I can step away from that situation knowing I did everything I could to protect their heart from unrighteousness. What kind of parent am I to let my child live haphazardly or wander aimlessly in sin without my fair warning or consequence? And you say, well, you're driving them away. But I believe on the contrary that I'm trying to drive them to Jesus. And that's what God's doing to Cain too. He's trying to drive him to relationship with himself. It's what my parents did. And I didn't realize it for a long time. But they're doing exactly what God was doing for Cain. Okay? I wouldn't have lost. You know, I I know without a doubt that if I would have chosen to walk against my parents' godly teaching, I would have suffered the consequences. And I wouldn't have been permitted to participate in the blessing of the home they had prepared for me otherwise. I wouldn't have lost their love, but I would have lost their trust. And I would have lost the privilege of being in deep fellowship with them until I repented. And it's the same way with the Lord God. God says to Cain, Cain, you're about to make a huge mistake, a costly sin, one that will do nothing good for the glory of God. But you willingly will bring great hurt on your family and the civilization as we know it. Don't open that door. I love you. I care about you. Listen to me, Cain. You don't need to do this. And I hope that this isn't falling today on deaf ears. If you are currently being tempted, perhaps it isn't the sin of murder. But if there's something you're battling with right now that is causing you to sin or, or you know it's a stumbling block or you know it's keeping you from deep fellowship with the Lord, you know it hurts your worship and your witness, it's doing damage in your family and among your friends and your church family, you know that you, if you give in to it, it leads to destruction. Would you be willing today to give that to Christ? To repent, no sin, too great, too small. Give it to Christ in repentance and turn from it and run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't be like Cain and lie about it. If God is dealing with you about it now, give it to him. 
God is on the pursuit of our hearts. And he wants the lordship of every area in our lives and every member of your body. If he isn't lord of that area, he's not lord of all your life. Hear God's cry today in this text for our attention. Sin may crouch at the door, but the Savior is standing at the door. And he is knocking and he is calling for you to open yourself to him, to let him have lordship and reign of your life. And there's not a soul in this room or listening to the broadcast today or, or on this planet that is beyond God's gracious reach. But he's crying out to us today. There's some decisions that if we make them, they're decisions we don't have to make. And God's given us protection. He's not trying to shelter. He's not trying to keep you from something fun. God is trying to protect your heart. I'll close with this. Uh, on the other side of the door was destruction that Cain could not undo. God confronts Cain and his actions, and Cain tries to lie his way out of it. But that wasn't going to work with the Lord. And God punishes Cain. As a matter of fact, he banishes Cain from the land. Cain becomes a fugitive. Cain no longer receives fruit from his labors on the earth. So anything he tried to grow would not grow. He would live out the rest of his days wandering from place to place to place, struggling to make a living. Cain would even try to build a civilization of people. Cain would have children and his children may have children, but God would eventually wipe them out with a flood. Everything Cain would try to build from that point forward, God would destroy. The only thing left of Cain's life and legacy is in this book. When his name is mentioned, it's never a good thing in the Bible. It's mentioned three times in the New Testament. Every single time Cain's name is mentioned, it's in a negative connotation. Cain chose the way of death and destruction, and that's what we know of him. And folks, that doesn't have to be that way with us today. God, in his rich love and mercy and grace, desires for us to open up the door of our hearts and allow salvation in, to leave the door closed to sin and rebellion. Because here's the thing about it. Satan has nothing of any worth or value to give you. Not in the least, but Christ Christ holds nothing back from you. He will make you new. He will make you righteous. He will give you grace. He will flood you with mercy and love. He will save your soul. He will lead you onto a path of righteousness for his glory. He will bless your life and use your life for his purposes. Don't give the enemy another second of your time, your talent, your thoughts, or your treasure. Close that door. Leave it closed because some doors are meant to stay shut. Can I pray for you today? Father, I don't know what you're doing this morning in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would show folks this morning powerfully in your word and through your word how our decisions impact not only who we are today but who will be tomorrow our decisions to give in to temptation and to sin can lead us down a path that we would so regret that we wish we'd never be on 
can lead us down to destruction. Cain's example is an example for us to learn from to not go in that way. God, would you show us when the, when, when the enemy is at the door to just leave it closed? Some doors need to be shut. And I pray today for those that are struggling with temptation and sin. And it doesn't have to be envy or anger or bitterness. The struggle could be self-worship like we talked about in the first point that God's desires were not the same as Cain's. Could be that we want to be known. It could be that we want to be the most important. It could be that we want to be seen. It could be that we want our offerings to be to be noticed. That isn't the will of God. It could be that we do struggle with a secret sin, so to speak, and you know that it's laid bare before you today. God convict us, even in the things that we don't think matter that much. The words we say, the thoughts we have company that we keep the places we choose to go the convictions we hold what we're about all of that matters and you God today are challenging us to see Lord are there areas in my life that I'm opening the door for the enemy to step in and devour Lord forgive us if there are people today that need to repent and turn their sins over to you your grace abounds more your mercies are new every day it is not too late Cain made a decision he couldn't undo (laughs) today people have an opportunity to be set free to be changed by Christ to be saved if they don't know Christ to follow Christ if they're not following Christ to yield areas of their life over to Christ that haven't been given to them Lord would you be Lord and Savior of all today So, Lord, I pray that you would deal with our hearts and you would challenge us to wake up and look and see, see just how dangerous it is to open the door to sin. We pray a hedge of protection, Lord, around our families. I do think about Adam and Eve and the mentoring role that they had with Cain and Abel. And I think about the parents that represent our church family. I think about those boys yesterday and the families they have. And I pray, Lord, I pray that as parents... We would set standards that would love the word of God, that would honor Christ, that would be an example for our children and our homes. And I pray, Lord, for strength in our homes. I pray, Lord, for our children to not just be obedient for obedience sake, but they would understand that walking a life of righteousness for Jesus is the greatest decision, the greatest walk that they can have. And so I pray for our children and our teenagers I pray that they would choose life. I pray that they would choose to walk in righteousness. They would choose to walk as Jesus did. I pray you would control their tongues. I pray, God, that you would would free them from temptation, but that they would not allow temptation to have conquering over their life. I pray they would be so grounded in the faith, in the word, in Jesus, that they would be able to stand against temptation. And I pray for the men and women of the Lord in this building that we would get serious about following the Lord, that we would open doors that you walk through, that you, God, that you, God, would lead us and and, and live in us and through us and empower us. So, God, do what you will this morning in our hearts. Challenge us with your word. 
I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Tammy, would you just take a moment to play? If you need to respond to the message in any way, if, if God's speaking to your heart or burdening your heart about something that we can pray about today, you come. Please be obedient today as God leads you. Please be.